Jeff Pratt, aka at Hotline Fantasy on Twitter, joins us for this episode to talk all things fantasy football. He truly is an expert in the space. You do not want to miss out on all the advice he's giving. We're also going to give you our record predictions for the NFC South. And some Housewives drama keeps on unfolding out in Salt Lake. So be sure to tune in and fill up those wine glasses. ticker on the bottom do 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 it's like a newscast the real fall fans of new jersey but welcome to the show this is the real football fans of new jersey and we are so excited to have you guys back again for another episode whether you are tuning in live or catching us on the podcast you know on your favorite outlets obviously we're everywhere we're on Apple Podcasts, the Spotify, we're on, I don't know, Stitcher. I think that's what Android users use. I don't know. There's like a million podcast outlets and we are literally on every single one. So yes. you can't not watch us. And we're literally on every single social media platform too. So you can't not watch us or listen to us on there either. But we are so excited to have you with us. This is episode 169. As we say every single week, we are moving and grooving to that 200th episode. We had an amazing 100th episode with you guys. You better believe we're going to have an incredible 200th episode with you. But as we get there, we do oh, one of our favorite followers on here, Hot Dog City. He's back. What's Hot up? Hot Dog City. Hot Dog City. What's up? Not much. <laughs> what is up with you? I'll tell you what's up with us. We have a tremendous guest with us tonight, and we are talking all things fantasy football because every year, every season, you guys are on our asses to talk about fantasy football. Some of you come to us like eight months before the season. They're like, when's fantasy football? When are you guys going to talk about fantasy football? Well, listen, we have got other things to do. But tonight we are talking fantasy football. I'm going to go ahead, bring our guest in. So here he is, Jeff Pratt. Say hello uh, to our audience. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So Jeff is also known as your Twitter handle is Hotline Fantasy, right? Yes. Okay. So thought you were about to thought you were about to say Hot Dog City. (laughs) (laughs) It's been me all along. Yeah. Hot Dog City tunes in every week, so I'd be like, oh my god, had we not noticed? You're Hot Dog City. You're Hot Dog City. Um, no. So Jeff is hot line fantasy on the Twitter. And I think I just learned right before the show and I tweeted something out that you are a Patriots fan. So unfortunately, Jeff, this is where our time ends. We are uh, ending the show. Oh, <laughs> we, man. we wanted to interview you tonight, but really that's it. This is where it ends right here. You so. know, made it longer than I thought I would. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't pick up on that earlier than tonight, right. but maybe I, I was just know until just now. I didn't know either. So we're clearly both guilty of that. But Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to get more in depth into the all the fantasy football talk. But to get started, can you just tell our audience, you know, tell us about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? 
Sure. Hi, I'm Jeff Pratt. I'm 21 from Southern New Hampshire. I currently study journalism and sports communications at Emerson College up in Boston. I grew up a huge New England sports fan, as these two just found out. Um, <laughs> while you may have ill will towards my team, I do not have any ill will towards the Giants. I'm actually rooting for you guys to come out of your division uh, this year. So maybe that's something we could talk about eventually. But yeah, I grew up a huge New England sports fan, also a fantasy football fanatic. In 2019, I launched my Twitter, Hotline Fantasy. And then it wasn't me. It wasn't personalized back then. It was just devoted to being a 24-7 fantasy football hotline for anyone to ask questions. I got anywhere from like 250 to 500 questions a week, uh, a ton on Sundays. Yeah, it was great. I just really enjoyed uh, being a part of the fantasy football Twitter community. It was something I was new to, but uh, it's incredible. And a couple of months ago, I joined DraftKings as a social and content intern. And then I decided to take my Twitter uh, personal to kind of combine the Hotline Fantasy brand and Jeff Pratt so I could become more of a full-time analyst. I do a lot of cool stuff for them, uh, including weekly articles. I When the NBA season was going, I did daily articles for them. With the NFL season coming up, I'll definitely be doing probably a couple of weekly pieces for DraftKings, and I also was the head of NFL for a small startup called The Breakdown, which unfortunately recently shut down, but you can find me now fantasy-wise at Primetime Sports Talk. It's at Talk Primetime on Twitter, and I think I've spoken about myself enough. <laughs> what a resume. Very uh, no, impressive. Right? Mm, thank like, you. Thank only you. at 21 years old, yeah. Dave and oh, I are yeah. like walking around with our canes, and we're like, we don't <laughs> do anything what, what were we doing at 21 besides... <laughs> in a bar somewhere drinking wine and we're still <laughs> hey that sounds fun too well that is great and you know it's great because you know you really do hit like home and are very similar to both katie and uh myself too so katie was a journalism and she also did sports within college as well a lot of sports writing and then i'm in the social media world right now so currently so we definitely all three of us relate on so many levels but props to you for hitting on all of those areas, you know, early in your, you know, professional career. And then also too, within the sports world, we think that's truly great. Um, so yeah, but I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's go ahead and get into some actual real time fantasy football questions here. Mm -hmm. So there are a ton of fantasy leagues out there, the types you can play in that honestly, (laughs) it gives me a headache, but I'm really trying to understand, but you know, near and dear to your heart what is the fate what is your favorite type of league to play in yeah i want to keep it simple here and a lot of people probably aren't going to love my answer but it's just a straight up ppr redraft league yeah um it's what i grew up playing when i started playing fantasy dynasty is amazing don't get me wrong playing the long game having a ton of flexibility with your lineup and your roster it's incredible uh, what it has done for the fantasy football community but i love the chaos of redraft and the stakes they're always higher they're always more intense instead of playing the long game as i talked about you know you're trying to win every year and every single injury decision start bench move that's made it can have major repercussions for the season so i I love it he likes the chaos i don't know (laughs) so liking the chaos for sure yeah yeah I love it. All right. So clearly we have some news with, you know, wide receiver Michael Thomas Mm -hmm. and Katie and I are actually going to get it into it later in the episode, just like more details, like on the news or everything. But 
he is going to start later in the season. It's not going to be right away. So given this news, what round do you think people should draft uh, wide receiver Michael Thomas in now that he's going to miss like a decent amount? It's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I, I wouldn't draft him at all. Um, he, he's 28 now. He's got a significant injury history. It sounds like he's going to miss a sizable chunk of the season, as you said. And, you know, he's dealing with an uncertain situation at quarterback for the foreseeable yeah. future. We still don't know who the starter is in New Orleans. And quite frankly, if Taysom Hill was named the starter today, I would lock in that I would just stay away from Michael Thomas completely because we know what type of limitations they have when Taysom Hill is under center. Now, if Jameis is under center, you know, it's a different story. When Michael Thomas was healthy this offseason, or at least we presumed that he was healthy, I was high on him having a bounce back year. But, you know, him getting surgery so late in the offseason, the timing there was weird. Um, obviously, he's an extremely talented player. I'm not going to trash on him as a player. And there comes a point where you're in a draft where it gets late enough that you have to take Michael Thomas. For right. me, the breaking point there, it, it's the sixth round, the early seventh round. Obviously, he's probably not going to fall there in leagues to you. But at some point, if he does, that is when I feel like I would have no choice but to take Michael Thomas. But, you know, after what he put all of us through last year and <laughs> his ankle still not being 100% this year, I, I'd stay away. I find it so fascinating. Like, like Caitlin said, we're going into year four of this podcast. And so obviously we've been doing fantasy football coverage every off season. And I always find it. And, and granted, we have our notes from every single show we've ever done. And when you look back at past fantasy drafts, I always find it like crazy how quickly some of the top guys can change. Like oh, yeah. Michael Thomas was surefire, like number one wide receiver. If off you the get court. him, you get like you I'm get thinking him. of guys like yes. Le'Veon Bell, Adrian yep. Peterson, like mm -hmm. names like that, where or Des Bryant, and then he just wasn't in the league anymore. Like yeah. these were guys who were like you had to have them in like the first and second round just a couple of years ago. And then when you see how much it changes, it really is. That's, that's probably what makes dynasty hard um, rather than starting anew every year, because it's so wild to see the rise and fall of certain players. Oh, it really is. And you know, you just slipped that in there on me four years doing this podcast, 169 episodes, by the way, congratulations <laughs> to you guys. That is a huge accomplishment. Uh, honestly, that is extremely impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, no it's just, you know, we just get together and talk football and housewife. That's, you know, it's our, it's our day to day. So it's honestly, it's nothing really <laughs> out of the ordinary for us, but it's a thing. We do truly appreciate that for sure. Oh, no and it's problem. funny, you know, bringing up like the Michael Thomas thing. And then, you know, Katie, you saying too, like the, the, the must haves, the gotta have them. And they turn mm -hmm. into that. But I always say too, you brought up Des Bryant comes back into the league after X amount of years and turns back into a like, ooh, gotta have him, shiny object. Oh, yeah. And you're like, what the hell? Don't go after him. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, stop. So like, does Michael Thomas become that in years from now when, you know, like you said, he had, he's 28. He's a wide yeah. receiver. Getting a little stung with the injury bug a little bit. You know, I do question the the kind of late surgery as well. Um, that's something that was totally, when that kid, the news came out, like obviously moving into our, conversation later it was definitely a question mark for sure like why would you wait so long for literally probably the star of your team going into this season what? um i wonder too does he turn into that guy that you know moves forward kind of takes a step back maybe retires come back and then people are like "Ooh, he was hot back in the day i need him now <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd say maybe. The one thing we know about Michael Thomas is he wants to get paid, and he wants to get paid a lot. Uh, The fiasco we had with his contract a couple of years ago, um, I don't necessarily see him retiring or stepping away from the game. And it really is, as you said, such an interesting discussion to have because we're two years removed from him setting the NFL single-season reception record, right? right? Like he, he was the top of the top. And now two years from uh, two years from then, you have got guys like me who just don't want to draft him. They want nothing to do with him. And it's if he were, yeah, team. yeah, if he was on my real team, uh, I'd be pissed at him for right. getting that surgery so late. I've had a lot of, mm-hmm. I would have a lot of questions. The yeah. Saints have a ton of questions, as we mentioned earlier, but quarterback, everything. I don't know. They might try to move on from him at some point. But Michael Thomas, he's a really weird situation. I could absolutely see him. And taking a couple of years off down the line after his contract runs out, then maybe trying to make a comeback. We know that doesn't work out too well for receivers nowadays. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I could see it. It's just a really weird situation with him. Yeah. So I agree. Let's, let's pivot into some of our newbies that we have. So, obviously, it's always interesting, you know, rookie seasons looking at – a lot of guys within fantasy, but one of the most exciting parts about fantasy, in my opinion, in the NFL in general, are players entering their sophomore season. So it's mm. something huge to look at every single year. So in your opinion, what player heading into their sophomore season do you like the most? Well, the answer would have been Cam Akers. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it's still, it's still a little sharp, but, um, it, it would have been Kim Akers. I was really high on him yeah. in this offense, especially led by Matthew Stafford. I, they were my Super Bowl pick and they still could make a deep run. Um, Ooh, that's a really bold. <laughs> that is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, I mean, you got, you got the contenders, but if I'm going to pick a team, that's not a favorite, the Rams right. were by far, they, they were by far that team, uh, especially with Stafford under center, but it, it was Akers. Obviously, he's not going to be there this year. So I'll go with a receiver. And heading to Dallas, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, he's back and healthy. And he's a guy who I am. in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. But uh, I'm not expecting them to do too much from a real-life perspective. But we know how lethal that Cowboys yeah. offense is from a fantasy perspective, especially mm-hmm. Dak. Everyone in that offense, really. Uh, and we know that Dak and CeeDee, they have an outstanding rapport. Last year, when Dak was healthy, you know, Lamb, he was wide receiver 10 in PPR leagues through week six. And then Dak gets hurt. It all goes downhill. Uh, and then Amari Cooper really only remained as the consistent fantasy weapon for that team. Yeah, guys like Zeke, uh, CD, they all took a dip when Andy Dalton took over for that team. But we look at Amari Cooper now, you know, he's still dealing with an ankle issue. Uh, and Jerry Jones said that he thought he was going to practice by mid-August. But we know that Amari Cooper, he has an injury history himself. Uh, he's getting up there a little bit in age. He's still he's still young, uh, but well, obviously Dallas not, doesn't use him yeah. the right yeah. way. They don't no, use no, him properly. Yeah. No, so, I agree. So it's so funny that your answer is CD Lamb because we actually played our our first fantasy football game last week yeah. on last week's show, mm-hmm. and we were matching up players. Who would you rather have in fantasy this this season? And we decided to pit. Um, Amari Cooper versus CD Lamb. Yeah. Who would you rather have? I know I went with CD Lamb. Caitlin, I think you went with him as well. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I did too because um, I, the main reason the Cowboys do not use Amari Cooper the way in which he should be used. It's mm-hmm. not, they use him incorrectly. It was an yeah. awful, like, I think people really liked the trade 
and like really loved him coming over to Dallas, but you need to use him properly. And my argument is always, I've been watching him since his Bama days and I know that you're not using him properly. So that was my argument. CD lamb's scary as a monster. I'm afraid yeah. he's on Dallas. So. Well, so you like CD lamb best for, for sophomores yeah. you like him over Amari Cooper. Are you drafting him before Amari Cooper? I'm not drafting Amari Cooper this year. He he's another guy who's on my do not draft list. Yeah. I, I think he would be if I was going to take him. I would take him over CD Lamb, but I 100% want CD over Amari this yeah. year. And I think that there's a really good shot that he finishes the year uh, as the wide receiver one in Dallas because Dak and him they already have that great rapport. Amari, as you said, they're not using him right, and he struggles to stay on the field at times. He picks up a lot of ticky tack injuries. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll take CD over Amari this year. All right. We got a comment on YouTube that the Cowboys offense isn't a joke, but their defense was the issue last year. Just yeah. your average Joe. We are totally aware of that. Their defense <laughs> was um, the issue. And no, none of us have ever said that the Cowboys offense is, uh, you know, is a joke. You know, Katie and I have said week over week, like I almost compare them to the Atlanta Falcons at times. On paper, their offense is holy shit, freaking talented. Where are you putting that on the, where is it coming Sunday after Sunday? Where is it? Where yeah. is it? You're yeah. turning into the Atlanta Falcons where they've been over the past couple of seasons. You know, it's there, it's on paper. Tremendous, so much talent. Where is it? I'm not seeing it. So that's what the Cowboys are kind of shaping into. Let's see if they can pivot from that this season. But that's just general football talk. We're talking fantasy here, people. <laughs> um, so this is always a good one, too, because there's always there's actually always multiple. We're just gonna come after you with one. If you do have if you do have more than one, feel free to share. But who is a you know a big sleeper pick that you have uh this coming fantasy season? Sure. I've got two. One of them is more of a sleeper than the other, but I'll run through them relatively quickly. The first one is Marvin Jones for me. Okay. He's the only player yeah. in that. Yeah. He's the only player in the NFL who has caught nine or more touchdowns in the past two years in, in each of them. That was an interesting stat when I found that a couple of weeks ago, but there's a lot of hype around LaVisca Chanel and DJ Chark, but I think that Jones, he's going to be the safety valve for he Trevor Lawrence. He was on Lawrence. my fantasy team last year. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was a good, he was a good player. I, he's, I feel like he's a guy you can never go wrong with. Uh, in in mid to late rounds of fantasy drafts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But Trevor Lawrence, he's got high upside players. Ooh, I don't know though. Lawrence ain't Stafford. Um, you're right. He's better than Matthew Stafford. No, I'm just messing around. But um, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, he's still going to come in and be a, a good player just because that that offense is going to be on the field a lot because the defense is going to give up a lot of points. I, I think that. And Chark, he's been inconsistent. Chanel, he's much more of a versatile tool than he is a guy you go to a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think that at least to start the year, Marvin Jones could easily be the number one wide receiver in this offense and that safety valve that Trevor Lawrence needs to go to consistently as a rookie. And, you know, he's going around like his ADPs for fantasy pros is like 115. So I'll take that value every time. I like that sleeper pick. That's a good mm -hmm. one. Makes me feel good about myself taking him yeah. last year. Didn't 100%. <laughs> Who's Sweet. your second one? Yeah, sure. uh, second yeah, one. yeah. The second one's he's not as much of a sleeper in terms of his ADP is a little higher, but he's another guy with the values way too good, and it's Brandon Cooks. Uh, yeah, the Texans they are preparing for Tyrod Taylor to start at quarterback, but you know he still needs someone to throw to, right? right. They lost Will Fuller. Randall Cobb was just traded back to Green Bay, and Cooks he's clearly the top guy. He's had five a thousand plus yard seasons in in his last six years. So he's always underrated, 
Uh, and I feel like because he's bounced around the league so much, people think less of him, but the Duke can still come out and ball. He's still young uh, and he can still be a wide receiver one on a bad team. That's going to probably be looking to move the ball through the air quite a bit this year. This is just like a little side non-fantasy note, but I always, I, I totally agree with you. There's certain players in the league that have bounced around so much. And I don't really understand why, because they're good players. Yep. And then they fall into these, like, in your mind, you kind of file them away as like, oh, maybe they're not that great that they've bounced around. And I always bring up on the show, ha ha Clinton Dix. Yeah. I Good. Love, haha, ha, obviously, Bama. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we fall into that stigma Always. when we see somebody go on so many different teams in such a short career. We're like, what's wrong with this guy? Why doesn't anybody want him? And, and honestly, Brandon Cooks, he does. I do think that counts as a sleeper pick because he is one of those guys. And yeah. honestly, I think a lot of people forget about him. So, absolutely, I think that's a great answer. I think he counts as a sleeper for sure. Yeah. Sweet. 100%. And just a quick shout out here from Betting and Heels. Yeah. Hi, supporting ladies in sports. Absolutely. And oh, I yes. always say too, I'm not, Katie and I are not the betters in the world. But what I've learned just from like the side gig that my boyfriend does all the time, that there's a lot of women betters, gamblers out there, and they know what they're talking about. And I have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> go over there. So clearly like, I have no idea. <laughs> so go follow uh, Betting and Heels because clearly she knows yes. what she's talking about and we don't. So don't ever listen to us <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. All right. So let, so this is actually a little bit of a loaded question. So there's a couple people uh, that you have to go here. So who is one player for like the main, I kept out quarterbacks for this, but like big, you know, offensive positions, wide receivers, running back, tight end that people should stay away from. So this is like, you already gave us a couple. You know, yeah. did. But if you have to, so repeat yourself if it's the same person. So, mm. but you know, just so the audience is tuning in right now. Um, but yeah, so for these positions, who are people that you're completely staying away from? So Amari Cooper is uh, the first one for wide receiver. <laughs> as I said, I won't really go it's, much. It sucks to hear that. Like, yeah. I, I agree with you. Like I, I 100% would as well. Mm. It, just, it just, it sucks to hear that. So yeah. Another guy I had written down for wide receiver. He, he's always divisive, always a polarizing option. It's OBJ. Um, the Browns, they're just agreed. They're just better when he doesn't play. Uh, <laughs> it's still also very much a run first offense. Uh, I've been very vocal in my support for Nick Chubb. I think he's a top three running back in the game. I think that they have the best one-two punch in football in, in Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield, you look at the second half of last season, yes, he stepped up, but it was when OBJ went down and he wasn't looking to force feed him the ball so much. Mm -hmm. That's when Baker's better. Off of the play action, when he's able to really look at all his options and choose the best one instead of looking at, hey, I got Odo Beckham Jr. He's double teamed, but I'm going to throw him the ball because he's going to get mad at me if I don't, and it's OBJ. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I don't that's, I still think yeah I think OBJ could be a good player but this isn't the right situation for him not only do I agree with you that that's like a run first offense with Nick Chubb but then you also have a quarterback who like likes to run it if he can so yeah. that makes it even worse for your and he's still team. working on his run game like I can sit down and tell you here that Baker Mayfield is still working on it and he wants to be a better running quarterback yeah. and he could get there so if yeah. he continues to work on that then it's still going to be a him and Nick Chubb sort of offense so oh, a, lot of, a lot of weapons a lot of weapons on that offense and so you've got to I, I imagine in fantasy football 
sometimes that hurts certain players of like their draft spots because it's like, oh, okay. Uh, as much as we all love Nick Chubb, we were talking about him last week. Like, yeah, he is going to have to share those carries with Kareem Hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Odell's going to have to share his catches with Jarvis. Like, you know what I mean? So sometimes when somebody's on too loaded of an offense, that always is a question right. mark for me of like, where should I take this guy? How much is he going to get the ball compared to somebody else? hundred percent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, do you want me to get in my uh, RB and tight end then really quick? Do it. Do it. Oh, sure. All right. Uh, for running back, I've got Raheem Mostert. You know, the 49ers oh, backfield, right. it's always a crapshoot. Uh, they brought in Trey Sermon in the draft and Wayne Gallman, who looked good for you guys last uh, year. Yeah. Said that that. Yeah, I, I, I liked too him too. Like Wayne, Wayne Gallman fans. Yeah. yeah. I, I was too. I, I tuned into your games a couple of times and he was killing it for you guys. Um, and then Mostert, you know, another guy. It's, it's a theme here for guys I don't like, people with significant injury histories. He's also older in his career. He's in his late 20s. We know that that's a death sentence for running backs in the NFL, yep. um, although he didn't have as much wear and tear on his tires because he didn't get that many touches early in his career. But his body doesn't seem to be holding up as well. It's just way too risky to spend a mid to late round pick on a guy like Raheem Mostert, in my mind. I think that's okay. a really good right. Yep, good input. And Sweet. tight ends. Yeah. Say Evan Ingram. Say Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram's just not he's not he's not even is on it? my board. Is he he's not even I was on gonna my say, board. is it it? Tell tell he, the he, world not to draft Evan Ingram because he sucks. He tell the world that. Tell the world that yeah, he's he's not my pick, but that's because it's obvious. Do no. not draft tell Evan Ingram. I have better hands than Evan Ingram. Right? <laughs> I have better hands. Yes. I do. I do. I can tell yeah. I would call the New York Giants and tell them I have better hands. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't draft Evan Engram. The guy I had is a much more high profile tight end. Ooh, it's Mark. It, yeah, Gronk? it's Mark. It's not Gronk. Um, but Gronk's a guy. You know, I think he proved himself We've last year. Against, do not take. That's, that's fair. Take that's fair. He's not a guy I'm super high on by any yeah. means this year. But he's not a guy who I'm staying away from at all costs. For me, uh, considering his price tag, it's Mark Andrews uh, from the Ravens. And that, yeah. Wait, I thought we disagreed on this on Twitter. I thought, Oh no, uh, we, we did disagree on this on Twitter. I said, Mark Andrews and you said TJ Hawkinson. Yes. Hawkinson. Yeah. 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 Or Hawkinson. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, no. I don't know how to pronounce names. Um, everyone on the show knows that. Yes, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really bad at every name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, yes, we did disagree on this and I put mm. him over TJ because, um, and I put TJ. I love TJ. I, I love TJ. Uh, especially I put him over that offense. because he might be getting the hits in Detroit, but he ain't getting good ones. He's not getting quality targets. They're, they're not quality. That's I respond by saying, do you think that Mark Andrews is getting quality targets from Lamar Jackson? Maybe. If he's having a bad <laughs> running game and he does. Yeah. Maybe I just he's probably uh, one I, of the worst you know, dual quarterbacks, in my opinion. Yeah, I would I, still draft Mark Andrews, but mm -hmm. I, I my reasoning for picking TJ Hawkinson last week on last week's show is because I feel like he is the focal point and one of the only bright spots on that team. 100 uh, percent So it's gonna he's gonna have to be the man. He's gonna have to do it all. Um, 100 yeah. Mark no, Andrews, like I just said, when you're on a loaded offense and everybody's got to get touches, like that's the Baltimore Ravens. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I agree. I, I like Hawkinson a lot. I think he's he has potential to finish as that tight end three, tight end four if a guy gets injured yeah. uh, from that higher echelon like we saw with George Kittle going down last year. But Mark Andrews this year for me, it's mostly his price. 
as you said, because you're going to have to spend like a fifth or a sixth round pick on him. Uh, that's not the spot where I usually like to take take tight ends. If I'm taking a tight end, I'm going early with an elite guy or I'm waiting till like rounds nine or 10, picking up uh, a, a more of a value tight end who I think can still put up decent production. That's just how I like to roll. So that's not the price range for me with Mark Andrews. And it, it hurts him that he's catching passes from Lamar Jackson, who hasn't shown uh, significant upgrades in his throwing ability throughout his career. So. Yeah, I like that strategy. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good little uh, pointer mm-hmm. for our listeners out there for their leagues. I agree with that. Shoots my opinions down, but I <laughs> do appreciate the insight for sure. <laughs> No, and I, you know, yeah. it's just it's just one insight. At different no, different things work for different people, right? Yeah. yeah, it definitely makes a lot of sense for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, you know, twenty twenty was a, a crazy year across across the board, football, the world, everything. So, I love when we see a good bounce back player in regards to fantasy. So, what players, you know, you can give us one, two, how many you want? What people do you think are going to bounce back this season in regards to fantasy? The first guy who immediately pops up on my list is Austin Eckler because I, okay. I love that Chargers offense. You know, look at how many games they lost by what one possession last yeah. year. It was like five plus and, and they could have been a playoff team. That's I was a extre- really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I was extremely high on Justin Herbert la- last year coming out of the draft. I wanted the Patriots to trade up and, and get him. Obviously they didn't. And hey, that's Los Angeles's game. Oh, it's because- all right. You got Matt Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll be fine. Worry. But uh <laughs> But, but Herbert's, I mean, he's a stud. I think he's going to yeah. be an MVP candidate yeah. this year. Um, and Austin Eckler is going to help him get there, absolutely, especially catching passes out of the backfield, even handling uh, handling a lot of carries more than usual maybe. But, yeah, I, I love Austin Eckler. I think that he struggled with a really bad hamstring strain last year, but he's fully healthy, and he's going to be a major weapon. He and Keenan Allen are I'm both very high on from a fantasy perspective this year. I think Eckler is a little bit of a sleeper, not Mm -hmm. like stat wise, but another guy similar to Brandon Cooks where I feel like people forget about him. I don't know about him. Obviously he got hurt last year. Um, But to be honest with you, like maybe even I forgot about him a little bit until like I was watching hard knocks when they were on hard knocks. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. He's really good. I like sometimes forget about him, but yeah, that's a great point. I, I like that pick a lot. Sweet. Yeah, I've got a, I've got one more quick yeah. one. Just a shout out to you guys. A shout out to Steffi Smalls, who I got into it, an, <laughs> an argument with on Twitter about this. Good, I'm, going with, I'm, I'm going with Saquon um, or Saquon, however you want to pronounce his name. Uh, sorry, but. And I'm know, wearing a shirt, so. Yes, uh, love it. And I mean, from a, from a talent perspective, it, it's as good as it gets with Saquon. And you guys know more than me at this point, but when is he going to start getting that full workload? Is it going to be week two, week three? Cause we know they're easing him in. Um, so basically they came out, I think it was like, because camp started uh, this week off for everyone. Um, he's not working out fully. Um, and they basically said that we're not going to, you know, I don't know what the right word is. We're not going to jeopardize his entire career for one or two games. So I see, we see him in week three or week four. I was going to say like week four, probably. Yeah. Um, and if and it makes sense, like we've seen his workouts, his, listen, his quads are still bigger than ever. Nothing <laughs> has happened. 
He's okay. He's, you know, he's with, you know, when Daniel Jones is doing his trainings, he might not be there doing it with him, doing handoffs or doing things like that. And we've seen a couple of things where they are kind of doing things, no pads together, but he's there. He's in his mind. They're talking to each other. He's with the line. He's talking to them. He's doing that things. He's not fully taken out of the equation. Like he is there. He's doing everything that he possibly can. And I do agree with the Giants organization. I think in years past, it might maybe it been mishandled and it's like, shit, that's our best player. We have to get him on the field. We have to do things like that. I don't give a shit if we go into week four and we don't have him there yet. Like, let's relax. Like, we only took him round two for a freaking reason. Like, let's pump the brakes. So. Sure. And, and let's say that he does hold off a little bit. Then another guy I like to bounce back just off the top of my head, um, but he's someone I'm high on. It's another member of that Giants offense. It's Kenny Galladay. He, he struggled in Detroit last year with injuries. Yeah, we don't, back. yeah, we don't really know how like injured he actually was. There was a bit of a weird situation there, but just looking statistically, I mean, Kenny Galladay, he's one of the best deep ball receivers in the game, and Daniel Jones statistically threw the best deep ball in the yep. game last year. So just putting two and two together there, if Kenny Galladay can stay healthy and Saquon does end up missing a couple of weeks there, he could see a pretty high usage rate in those first few weeks, and they could develop. Quite the rapport. Listen, I know I know myself and some other Giants fans as well have kind of mentioned it. And I, I'm really hoping that we see Kenny Galladay kind of be like a Plexico Burris, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, let's just throw it up to him in the red zone. Let's get him the deep and ball. Height. Like, I feel like it's been a hot minute since the Giants really yeah. had like a wide receiver of that size. It's been a little bit. Um, and so I know we're all really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table. Yeah, I would too. I think he's going to be great for you guys. I love it. I hope so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all righty. So when it comes to being a fantasy team owner, there's clearly some crucial mistakes that you can make, whether it's on draft day or throughout the season. Um, so what is for, you know, for you giving advice run right now, like what is, one, you know, crucial, critical mistake that these owners can make. And again, it's either during draft day or throughout the entire season. Yeah. So I don't have anything huge on draft day because obviously people draft in different ways. My biggest no-no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could just suck at drafting, but my biggest no-no in, in the draft is taking a quarterback early. I usually like to, to hold off for around six or seven, get my guy the past couple of years. It was Dak a couple of years ago. It was Josh Allen last year. Look how that one worked out. It, it is Justin Herbert. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to keep, uh, keep coming back to that because that was probably my <laughs> biggest hit of the year. Yeah. But, um, it's Justin Herbert, as I talked about him this year for me, but everyone drafts differently. So there's not a huge no-no for me, unless you're out there taking Patrick Mahomes in the first round of a one quarterback league. Never do that. Just, just, just please don't. Um, and people will. People will. Yeah, people, people will. Just, just please don't. You're, you're only hurting yourself. But uh, I'd say the biggest issue and the biggest thing that hurts people throughout the fantasy season, it's just falling victim to recency bias and when it comes to making trades. I mean, you got guys stepping in, having a big game or two, uh, and then obviously the trade value shoots up. And the worst thing you can do, unless you're a contender in a dynasty league or you're a contender in a redraft league, is, uh, is paying up for these guys and buying high on them when you should not. I'm always a believer in buying low uh, because I think that's just the best way to upgrade your team. And it's cost efficient, cost effective. But um, yeah, I, I'd avoid recency bias. 
try your best to avoid throwing offers uh, to, for a guy who just had a 30-point game because it's not going to happen two games in a row right. or, or very consistently. Uh, Sammy Watkins last year. Yeah, uh, Sammy best, Watkins, I mean, he comes to mind. Right? I had him, yep, had him last I, year. I recommend yes. I recommend you draft Sammy Watkins and then trade him after week one. That's probably the best uh, best strategy you can have. I should have done it last season. Gonna do it this season. Screwed me over last year. I have a a side question as far as like Mm -hmm. like you're talking about. You don't like to take a quarterback early. How do you feel like? What would you rather take, or maybe it changes for you? But do you take a kicker first, or do you like to take a defense first? Uh, kicker because okay. I usually, I usually it. take my kickers. Early. Yeah. And I mean, if you can get a defense, I'm never aiming to take an elite elite defense okay. unless there's guys yeah. on the boards who I just really don't like. Cause I usually end up streaming defenses. I think that that's clearly the best, probably the best way to yeah. go unless you, you luck out and you get that number one defense. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. Yeah. I, by the way, I, I've never played fantasy football before in my life. And this, this year is her well, first year. Let's go. I do it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm asking as somebody who's, you know, mm-hmm. learning and experiencing for the first time, I, I can't tell you how many times I have helped people with. <laughs> I've literally sat there. There was one year. It was like two years ago where my brother-in-law was like, I can't make my fantasy draft. Here's my login for ESPN. You got to do it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You want to before, right? Like I know players and I know stats, but I've never done this before. So um, I think I'll be okay, but I definitely appreciate the advice for sure. Oh, no problem at all. You can always, uh, you can always hit me up after this too, by the way, yes. I'm always happy to give advice. Yeah. Good, good, good. I know who to go to. Yeah. For sure. And this is the last question that Jeff, you actually didn't prepare for. So yeah. <laughs> But it is something that I did read recently and did, you know, kind of it's an interesting strategy when it comes to drafting. So I would just love your opinion on it. So I want to know when you're going to draft your first wide receiver, because this recent strategy that I've heard of is that you shouldn't take your wide receiver, your first one until maybe like the sixth round or beyond build up on your tight ends and your running backs first because you can get a guy like Jefferson maybe in the sixth or seventh round. You can get wide receivers that are quality wide receivers a little bit later on. So I know that was a little bit of a a little bit of a detailed answer for me afterwards, but that's why I'm asking you where are you drafting wide receivers? Because that apparently is the new strategy on the block. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, there's definitely merit to that strategy. Uh, first of all, I'm in a bunch of leagues every year, so I like to mix things up when I draft. But if I'm going to enter a draft with a specific strategy, I always say uh, I guarantee myself that I'll take three running backs in the first four rounds. Nope. That's big for me because yeah. every year uh, in the NFL, you know, the talent pool at running back is so shallow compared yeah. to the talent pool at wide receiver. Absolutely. Like you can say, I'm not sure you can get like a Justin Jefferson uh, in the sixth round, I think he's probably more of like a fourth, fifth round guy, but you can get guys with tons of upside, uh, yeah. in those later rounds who could end up, mm-hmm. you know, breaking out, having wide receiver one, uh, finishes. So I think that there's definitely merit to that strategy. My advice is, is I like to stack up on the Arby's early. I'll usually have one wide receiver on my roster by round five, just to give myself a little bit of flexibility. So 
You know what I'm saying? I don't have to lock into taking three or four straight wide receivers in the mid rounds in case a guy I like at running back falls a little bit. So I have flexibility to take him, uh, but there's merit to that strategy and uh, I'm not going to fault you for it. Yeah. And then if you do it and, and the draft is over and you find that a lot of people are really like need running backs then you've got some trade bait there. So yeah, that could work absolutely. out that way as well. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, as far as the talent pool goes of running back compared to wide receiver in the National <laughs> Football League, it's been a, it has been a passing league for yeah. a while now. So yeah, running backs. And also, Caitlin and I say this every year as well, there's not a lot of great tight ends. Um, no. So I would say after like five or six of them, that might even be stretching it. I feel like everybody else is like, ugh, like you're not too pumped to draft them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 100%. And that's why I usually like waiting on tight ends. Uh, this year, you can get guys like, I'm um, going to throw out some Patriots here, but you can get guys like Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, who are going to be the focal point of New England's passing game. By the way, I think it's going to be Mac Jones under center sooner rather than later. So that only boosts them uh, even more. And you can get those guys in round seven, eight plus. And right. uh, it's not just them. It's, it's every year. You can get guys who are guaranteed to lock into some targets. Uh, and you don't have to waste a mid-round pick on them. Absolutely. Love it. Good stuff. Good uh, good tips. Honestly, oh, thank they were you. Truly great. I mean, honestly, anyone who's listening live right now, you just learned so much. And obviously, <laughs> I, I should have brought like a notebook and a pen. Uh, you can watch it back. Watch <laughs> us, baby. Katie, that's what I was going to say. Don't you worry because you can catch this on our podcast, what Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. Listen and subscribe. Anytime. So, but yeah, as we wrap up, you know, our segment with you, Jeff, you know, we asked you a ton of questions, not to put you on the spot, but do you have any questions for us? Maybe. Um, I'll throw one to you guys. Uh, All right, we're ready. What's the, what's the giants record this year and <laughs> wh where are they finishing? Okay. So we actually did talk about this uh, a couple weeks back. I will actually pull up the receipts. So Katie, mm. I don't know if you remember. I could say off the top of my head, well, every every week we do a different division and we give our best case, worst case scenario records for each team in that division. And I don't remember what I put for the Giants, but I, I kind of see them. I, I kind of see them as like a seven, maybe eight win team this year, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. That's where so I'm at. you put their best case scenario at nine and eight and worst at five and 12. I did the same best nine and eight and seven and 10 as their worst case scenario. I think I'm going to go more along the lines of uh, closer to their best. I think I replied to something today with eight and nine. So I think that's going to be. So we're like seven so. nine wins, both of us pretty yeah. much. We're in yeah. that range, I think. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know about winning the division that could, that could win the NFC. It definitely could. Katie and I are different, though. She feels that Dallas will win. I think Washington mm. will win the division this year. Mm. So um, Philly's not on the planet no, or come on, somewhere yeah. out, out there. <laughs> they got a better chance. Yeah, they got a better chance at the number one overall pick than there, yeah, the division. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Let's clip that. <laughs> we love that for sure. Yeah. But honestly, Jeff, this was such an amazing conversation. Oh. Our audience definitely learned so much as we are entering in, uh, you know, draft days for many fantasy leagues around the country. I know a lot of people are scooping in and starting, starting soon. I don't do it until like the end of August, really. Yeah. So I've got some time, but I'm definitely listening, you know, 
to you. I'm on with you with Twitter every single day, looking at everything that you're doing and everyone's like, you know, commenting. So I'll make sure Katie's not on the Twitter, but I'll make sure that she's getting all the scoops, getting all the scoop, everything like that, everything that you have to offer and everything else everyone follows you has to offer. But thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. As we sign off, please, again, can you tell our audience where they can find you and where they can follow you? Sure. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Hotline Fantasy. You can find my work at Primetime Sports Talk and occasionally DraftKings. But if you follow my Twitter, uh, I will be promoting my content all the time. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. I had a blast. This was this was great. I'd love to come on eventually some other time after you guys hit 200 episodes uh, and do this again. So thank you so much. Well, you're on the East Coast, so you can probably come to our 200th episode. Yeah. Wow. Sweet. Come to Jersey, baby. My girlfriend lives in New Jersey. Perfect. There we go. (laughs) Love it. We're already there. We're halfway there. Don't worry. (laughs) Love it. Love it. We will see you at our 200th episode. Jeff, thank you again so much. And we will see you online and we'll see you during football season. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Bye. Bye. Well, what another phenomenal guest week after week. We are just, you know, my God, it's amazing. I love it. Uh, And fantasy football talk. I I get why everybody asks us about it because it gets you really pumped. Like it gets you fired up for the season, both the real season and the fantasy football season. It gets Um, you pumped and you're like, shit, I got to go draft my team. I want to see who's playing week after week. Who's getting me the most points. Like I was just reminiscing on last season so much. I was like, I'm excited. I'm I'm ready. Watkins talk, the Marvin Jones talk. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready ready to dip my toes in the fantasy football pool. I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited for you. I'm I'm so happy about this journey for you. I love this. (laughs) I love this journey for you. I love this for you that you're finally getting into fantasy Uh, football. So everyone who's watching right now give katie a big thank you thank you clap clap she's joining the fantasy world my friend that means i can't be helping y'all i gotta help myself (laughs) um but yeah so we still have more football obviously our big stories of the week in the world of football nfl quick hot topics we'll go rapid fire through this just things we want you to know about first one we got some contract situations um san fran and linebacker fred warner agreed to a five-year extension worth more than $95 million with $40.5 million in guarantees, making him, and I believe rightfully so, I feel as, as he's an underrated player, it's making him the highest paid linebacker in the league. So kudos you to him. you love to see it. Definitely deserves it. Well earned. Um, two moves for Washington. They agreed to a four-year $72 million extension with defensive tackle Jonathan Allen with a $30 million signing bonus. He has definitely been one of the bright young spots on that defense. They, they have a great defense. They really do. Hate yeah. to say it, but it's true. <laughs> um, they also agreed to a three-year extension with tight end Logan Thomas. And then finally, Cincinnati agreed to a four-year $40 million deal with defensive end Sam Hubbard. Um, as far as Michael I liked Thomas, that deal with Sam Hubbard. I did. Yeah. Um, as far as Michael Thomas news, we talked about at the beginning of the show on Friday, it was reported that uh, the New Orleans wide receiver is expected to miss the start of the season after ungo- undergoing surgery to repair ligaments in his ankle in June. Now, this was in June. The recovery timetable is roughly four months. That takes you to October. Who knows? We'll see how rehab goes. Could be pushed to November. You never know. Um, Very interesting. We talked about him. I think we brought him up on the show recently. 
Uh, wide receiver Chris Hogan, he was going to transition back to the lacrosse world. He played, you know, four yeah. years of college lacrosse, then used one year left of eligibility to play football, went to the NFL, Patriots, Jets, bounced around. He's went back to lacrosse. Now he's coming back to New Orleans. Uh, it's New too Orleans. much for me. There's too much bouncing around. There's too much going on. But he's decided to uh, go for it. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, on Monday, it was reported that Houston is now willing to listen to trade offers for quarterback Deshaun Watson. Um, as Jeff said, I think everybody's like pretty much expecting Tyrod Taylor at this point. Uh, yes. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero believing it could take, ad and this is crazy, take at least three first round picks or more for him for Houston to agree. Uh, Watson did report to camp on Sunday, but has still expressed that desire to be traded to another team. That's just like, it's, to me, that's just insane. I, I Especially know. because, like, you're asking everybody to give up all that, and who knows what the hell is going to happen with this court case. Let's just And apparently up. three new people just came out with new accusations against yeah. him. So it's not – and I'm not saying anything's true or false. We can't. That's right. what the, the right. court is for. That's what our judicial system is for. But it's just – you're right. It's, un, it's the unknown. It's dicey. It's the unknown. Exactly. People, no one gets three first-round picks for, like – Aaron Rodgers, who isn't yeah. an unknown. Like, what That's are we doing? Crazy. That's, That's just insane. Crazy. That's just stupid. You need to know your team. And that, honestly, to me, just proves that Houston is so mismanaged. It's not even funny. From the top, from ownership yeah. down to the last person that leaves their facility at night, you are so mismanaged as an organization to think that right now Deshaun Watson is worth three uh, first-round picks. Yeah, we know it's going to get ugly in Houston. We've been saying it all along. It's ugly right now, girl. It's ugly right now. <laughs> um, and finally, last but not least, you know, there are a couple people that are going on the on the COVID list right now who are not mm -hmm. able to be at training camp. Right. Uh, New York Giants, we've got Lake Martinez. Lake, Lake like, now, this doesn't necessarily mean that those players tested positive. They could have been around somebody that tested positive. But still, you know, you've got a quarantine. Um, so just... You know, a big name that this is obviously a big deal. It's one thing for a player, but we've got the Indianapolis Colts head coach, Frank Reich. He actually did test positive for COVID. And, you know, this is with the team kicking off training camp without him while he quarantines. And just in a general scope of things, um, reports are coming out that about 80% of the players in the NFL are vaccinated. But, you know, this is going to be a running thing that happens yeah. throughout the season. We knew it was going to, you know, I feel as though last year was successful. Now we have a vaccine, right? I would think that we'll have more success. But it doesn't take away from the fact that, yes, there are going to be times where maybe star players or head coaches are going to have to step away in quarantine. So this is yeah. what we've got already going so far. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it's the hope in general that, you know, it makes things better but it's unfortunately it's not a magical cure that's right. the end all be all i mean I, I wish that's what the case was so but still we're gonna have to understand and obviously the nfl is taking drastic measures into what right. Right. they're trying to do if unvaccinated players test positive you know there's fines there's there's no payments or things like that they're clearly you know moving in a direction where it's like you know what you got to you got to do what you got to do to move forward. And that's what the NFL do, is doing to make uh, big decisions. But yeah, it's still no matter what you do. And it's interesting that, you know, we see 80%. I know today, like Ron Rivera came out with a you know quote for Washington and apparently a, a decent amount of their players are not 
their, their report came out that they're the least vaccinated. And he, he was very disappointed with that, obviously. And he just hopes that, you know, he, I think the quote was like, they just need to do better. So it's, it's very interesting that the 80%, that's a great number yeah. to be at for the entire NFL player, you know, association, but to know that the Washington Reds, or excuse me, the Washington football team is just not, yeah. not there. You know, you gotta, you gotta look at everything holistically. So definitely interesting to see that for sure. Yeah. Alrighty, so now we are moving into our record predictions for this week, and this week we are doing the NFC South. So you have the Falcons, the Panthers, the New Orleans Saints, and the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Remember how we were saying, like at the beginning of the episode in fantasy, when it's funny to look back a couple of years ago and see who the big names were, and now they're like nothing. So, this, like this division, this used to be the division. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this used to be the division that could send and would send three teams to the playoffs. Things have obviously greatly changed. So, yeah. interesting where we put them at. So let's start with probably the most interesting team in this division, in my opinion, because I said it earlier on the show, on paper, their offense is dynamite, even giving away Julio Jones, but they still are, but don't really, you know, excel on that in real time. I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. So best worst case scenario, what do you have for them? I know you. I know you are super critical of the Atlanta Falcons, and and rightfully so. I understand it. It's not that I don't understand it. Um, but I did obviously look at their schedule as I always do with all of the teams, uh, and I really felt as though they had a really easy schedule. Yeah. Um, best case scenario, I have them at nine and eight, wow. and worst, and worst case scenario, I have them at six and eleven. And speaking of an easy schedule. It's not like the craziest thing in the world to imagine that they could start the season with a four and one record because this is how it goes. They've got Philly at home on the road against Tampa Bay. That's the loss four and one. They've got the giants, Washington and the jets. They could potentially go four and one. They have a very, very easy schedule. That is what's favoring me to give them these, these records. Alrighty. Well, I am critical, as you said, and I will continue to be critical of them. I am giving them their best case scenario, six and 11 and their worst case scenario. They'll drop back very similarly to they were in 2020. And I'm giving them a four and 13 worst case scenario. All right. I'm not, I'm not, Believing it. I think in the past couple of seasons, I've believed into them. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe they'll do. No, I'm not, Katie. I'm not giving in this year. I'm not giving in. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's go with the Carolina Panthers. New quarterback. You have a returning Christian McCaffrey. What do you have best the best worst case scenario? So it's just a team that I don't really like. I'm, I just... I don't know. I'm not big on them. Uh, I've got them best case scenario seven and ten, and I've got them worst case scenario five and twelve. Um, I think they have a my note on them a brutal final four games of the season. They are at Buffalo, Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, and then at Tampa Bay. So they're playing Tampa Bay twice in their last three games. And the last three of their four games not only are, are against really tough opponents, but their three of their last four games are on the road. Yeah. That stretch at the very end 
is going to absolutely kill this team. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't expect good things for them this season. I really don't. I actually have them doing little bit better and by little bit better it's one game than the falcons uh so best case scenario i'm going to go with seven and ten that's what i'm uh, worst case scenario five and twelve oh we matched exactly we did you actually i uh i blacked out a little bit we I, did. We I, did. yeah so <laughs> that's why i didn't realize <laughs> i was like like literally like as you were saying your records i was like and i'm frozen <laughs> we, well we matched we were right on par <clears throat> And that doesn't happen very often, people. All right, let's go down south to Louisiana with the New Orleans Saints, which is such a question mark this season. And we uh, definitely spoke, of, spoke about it earlier with Jeff in regards to fantasy. But listen, it's on top of everyone's mind right now in regards to football with the New Orleans Saints. But best worst case scenario, what do you got? You guys know that. I, I might have been a little too nice, but you go. Well, it's funny because you you guys know that I always make at least one little note on each team of kind of like why I went the direction I did. And the note that I just made for them is don't know what to make of them. Don't don't <laughs> don't know. I don't know. Huge question mark. I feel as though Caitlin is a lip feels a little bit better about New Orleans than I do, just from vibes I've gotten it's on past. Like the notes. name, it's the history. Maybe I'm just too hyped on that. Yeah. And I do have them you know, slightly better than Atlanta and Carolina, but I have the best case scenario at 10 and seven, and I have them worst case scenario of seven and 10. And we agree. Yeah. Okay. Back to 10, 10 wins might be a little generous. I do feel as though I'm leaning more towards the worst case scenario, but again, I I almost wanted to still give them credit in the fact that I think they're better than Carolina Atlanta. So I think that also swayed my decision on this. 100% 100% agree with you. Obviously, we 100% agree on our, you know, predictions of best wow. case scenario, 10 and 7, worst case scenario, 7 and 10. We're two for two. It's, it's a little crazy, people. I know. <laughs> Honestly, someone should go play the lottery tonight. The Katie and I are, are agreeing on something for once, especially record predictions. Um, but, yeah, I just uh, – I don't know. I, I, I definitely agree with you that I, we want to give like the edge, especially when we're in a conference with the reigning Super Bowl champions of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, I don't think all like three other teams are, are that terrible compared to the Bucs. I want to still give like the edge to the New Orleans Saints, but maybe not too, too much. But I agree yeah. with the 10 and 7. It might be a little generous this season, but I'll definitely give them the benefit of the doubt for sure. Yeah. All right, and let's move down to Florida with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do you have for best worst case scenario? Best case scenario, I have Tampa Bay at 13 and 4. And worst case scenario, I have them at 11 and 6. Okay. And what I have on this team is what I found most interesting when I was looking at their schedule is that for being the reigning Super Bowl champions, I thought they had a decently easy schedule. I don't know right. how it happened, but I feel as though their schedule is not that rough which is definitely why like worst case scenario, I have them at 11 and six, which is a great record. Um, But yeah, they have like easier games that, you know, they're playing Chicago, Washington, the giants, the jets, like those games and and not for nothing, then throw in three teams in your division that Caitlin and I just kind of like shit on basically like it, this is another scenario, and it doesn't happen often, where Tampa Bay could sweep their entire division. They could go yeah. six well, and that's six wins right off the bat for them. 
And what a glorious thing that is, six wins right off the bat. Wish we could be there for sure, but I'm just mm -hmm. one. I'm basically one pillar below you, but I'm going with best case scenario, 12 and five. Worst case scenario, 10 and seven. So just one, one minor step below you. Um, I do, I don't see them falling into a Super Bowl slump. I don't want to say that at all, mm -hmm. but I do just want people to be a little bit cautious going into this season. I don't think they're going to win another Super Bowl. So I want to actually put my money right there and say, no, I don't think that's going to happen. So there will be some road uh, uh, speed bumps along the way that they will actually hit. So I think those are where I see right there. So I actually see yeah. them probably fall in the sun. So um, yeah, so uh, thank you, Anthony. Completely agree with you guys. As I sample this division doesn't doesn't scare me. Doesn't really scare. And us like either. we said, this used to be the scariest division in football just a couple of seasons ago, um, and it's crazy to see how much it's changed. So absolutely. All right. Well, those were good record predictions. Uh, I believe we've only got two divisions left. We are, we're going out west uh, next week. We'll be with the AFC West, and then followed by. The NFC West, uh, but let's get into our big stories of the week in the world of housewives. This first one is a doozy. We have a legal update oh, on the Jen Shaw case, and it is a big one. Uh, this past week, there were new court documents in Jen Shaw's case classifying her as a senior participant in a telemarketing scheme that she was arrested for earlier earlier this year. Jen and her assistant, Stu, who we saw on the show, are now both tier A defendants, meaning they're like they're top it. of the show, right? Yeah. Um, the document claims they were the ones responsible for orchestrating the broader scheme and supplying leads. Um, I have a quote from Jen's lawyer who said, after investigating for nearly 10 years in a 12-day trial in which Ms. Shaw was never mentioned, the government suddenly lobs this absurd claim. This is just their latest made up allegation. And like all others, totally unsupported by evidence. The reality is she is totally innocent. So just to kind of like put into perspective how serious these claims are and the fact that she's being labeled as a tier A um, defendant, four other defendants who are also listed as tier A or uh, four others have also been listed as tier A and one has already been sentenced to 78 months in prison, which is six and a half years. Okay. Um, while, so she's tier A, lower tiers have already been receiving their sentences and they have been anywhere from one to seven years. So this is not looking, if this is true and if they can prove this and when, the, like, this is looking real, real bad for her. Yeah. Real bad real scary. So we're going to keep you guys posted on this one because, you know, we're obviously going to get all this content too for season two, which I, I believe, like we said, I think is going to either Wait, be- Wait, I think we're getting a, a trailer. I think we're getting a trailer could, in, in the coming be. weeks. I think I saw that we're getting a trailer. I'm predicting either the fall or or winter. I do believe it's going to come in 2021 and we're, we're ready for it because like- <laughs> Right, right as soon as they started filming is when she got arrested. So yeah. we are literally going to see it all play out. Definitely. And I remember actually, like, a, I think it was like a week or two ago or like when this was unfolding, like more so like than ever, like a non like housewives like person I saw on Instagram, like posted like a story or something. And I think it was from like 
the TMZ or like page six. And it was like, why do these famous people do this? Like, don't they know they're on camera? And I was like, uh, thank you. Katie and I don't say that like every single week. Like, why would you sign on to being a housewife if you it's are like literally the shadiest person ever? It's like there's that new like mafia show on, on MTV or VH1 oh, yeah. somewhere. And I'm like, what actual idiot that's really in the mob would sign up for this shit. Like it makes no sense, but okay. It, it, it just like, why it doesn't make any sense. No, 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 yeah. Um, All right, so more in the world of housewives. We got probably at no one's request, but we did get a Real Housewives of New York mid-season trailer. And I say that because Katie and I have been complaining about the season. And when you get a mid-season trailer, that means there's like six or seven, like more and they're trying to pump us up and we just can't get pumped. It's not happening. So like when I saw the, it was like, when it was like coming soon, I was like, no. Oh dear Lord. That means there's like six more episodes. Like yeah. shit, I wanted you to end it next week. I don't want any more, like stop. No. So we did get it. So um, after last week's episode of Real Housewives in New York, we did get the mid season trailer for what is still to come. Um, and honestly, like, Kenneth season 13 be salvaged. We actually really don't know. So here's what we're getting. More of Martin. Thank God. Honestly, I saw a post from him today, and I think it's from an upcoming episode. He's with the girls. So excited. Maybe it was from last night. So I don't know. I didn't see last night. I know you didn't see last night yeah. either. Loki went to bed at eight o'clock, had the worst headache of my life, had to go to sleep early. So I missed it. I've been, as much as I hate it, I've been kind of on top of it every Tuesday, but uh -huh. this this season this franchise needs to be saved didn't think that would ever come out of my mouth but it needs to be saved why don't we give, save why don't we give martin an apple just give, give the man an, an apple. apple he needs to be the first man on a real housewife like he deserves an apple for sure so um ebony is searching for her father um and he she you know sits down with you know someone who has three potential people for her, which is exciting. So, um, but then also too, we're going to see is it the end of Garth and Lou? Well, Loki, we, we see it's the end of them. Right, so right. Them. Um, but yeah, but apparently the whole drama is that he was seen on page six with her again. Listen, Garth, you're probably the same as Jen Shaw. You know, you're getting into this shit. Why the fuck would you sign up for it? Like you're going to be on mm -hmm. page six. You know Lou is a queen, and she's going to be in the press. She's a countess. You know. You know what the deal is. Yeah. We get more of Bershawn. I've been loving Bershawn. I don't know about you. Well, you. I told you guys that I binged like four episodes yeah. recently that I had missed, so I finally got Bershawn, and I totally like. It's funny because I recently just like did a. You guys know I'm not on Twitter. I did a Google search, and I was interested to see what people were tweeting about Roni. And oh my God, the Roni Twitter world loves Bershawn. Loves Bershawn. So and she's great. She's like, I mean, like I love Ebony too. Like I think she's brought some like good things. Like and she gets back to me on Twitter right away. That's how I know I like like them. Um, Bershawn got they should got back to me on Twitter like twice like, already. So I'm like, woohoo! These ladies love yeah. me. They love me. Digging her. Digging her. Not like Lou. Lou loves us uh, more than oh, anyone. Besties. So the ladies are dressing up as one another. So Ramona apparently is dressing up as Leah, which looks very funny. So we'll see about that. And then obviously a lot of fighting with Ramona. I feel like a lot of targets have been on Ramona yeah. this season, um, which, you know, maybe it's, 
payback for seasons past where she's right. been attacking everyone. So it's Sonia versus Ramona, Leah versus Ramona. So the world versus Ramona. So we will right. see what happens that, but I don't know, Katie, do you think, do you think the season can be salvaged? No, no I agree. No, I because we just gave everybody like the big highlights from that trailer and none of those stories really, truly interesting. Yeah. I agree. There's nothing juicy or good from it. Bethany needs to come back. Dorinda needs to come back. Tinsley needs to come back. And that's it. If if I'm going to like make, if I'm going to cut them some slack on something, right, to kind of play devil's advocate here, they did film during COVID. And I think one of the things that Roni has always excelled in is they take some of the best vacations like we've seen right. on the show they weren't able to like do anything like that. Like they went to Salem, Massachusetts. Like it's but not- Katie, Salem is like, oh, that's my dream it's vacation. Not, but it's not what we're it. used to seeing and loving. We love seeing them at the pool, at the beach, like all these beautiful places that everybody's dying to go and travel to. But then take away like those glamorous vacations. We also don't have Bluestone Manor anymore. So it's like, that's a huge other, like the vacations, no vacations, no Bluestone Manor, they were kind of not set up for success, unfortunately. I feel like they could have done Salem so much better. Like literally the yeah. Halloween capital. It was the Russian bath. Well, I guess you couldn't go to the Russian bathhouse during not COVID. During COVID. You, probably, you, probably, you probably shouldn't go without COVID. You really yeah. shouldn't go Yeah, that's still like time out on the Russian bathhouse. But yeah, honestly, like, we'll, as much as we don't want to, we'll continue watching for you guys, but that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our game. This is a football one. This was a second half of a game, part two of a game that we promised you guys we were going to do. Um, so a couple of episodes ago, we looked at an NFL.com article from Dan Hansis where he talked about the 2021 season and predicted um, an MVP for each NFC team. Well, now we have his AFC team predictions. Caitlin and I are going to say whether we agree, disagree, and regardless of whether we agree or not, uh, we are going to give you an alternative pick. Uh, we could do this rapid fire. Uh, let's just dive right into it. Yep. Uh, we're going to start with Baltimore. Dan Hansis' MVP is quarterback Lamar Jackson. Agree or disagree? I'll agree with it, um, just given the, the hype of the QB. Um, and then I'll alternative, I'll love, love the special teams and give it to Justin Tucker. Oh, my God. We are already one for one. <laughs> I agree. And my alternative is the man, the myth, the legend, Justin Tucker. If I was a Baltimore fan, by the way, that would be the number one jersey I owned. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, okay. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. Wide receiver Stefan Diggs. Agree or disagree? I really do love uh, Stefan Diggs, but I'm going to disagree with this one and give it to Josh Allen. Two for two, baby. Disagree. Go on, Josh Allen. I, I, I swear to God, if we get all of these, I'll sweat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cincinnati, we have running back Joe Mixon. I'm going to agree with it, but my alternative is Joe Burrow. We were like halvesies on this. Oh. I, I disagreed, and I really do think the future is bright for a healthy Joe Burrow, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he will be healthy, uh, and I'm going with him. All right, Cleveland. I feel like there's a lot of people you could choose from. Uh, Dan Hansis with, with defensive end Miles Garrett. I'm going to disagree with this one, and I'm going to my Nick 
Chubb running back here. We are matching again, baby. I disagreed and I went with Nick Chubb. We're big Nick Chubb fans. Like, honestly, oh, give credit where credit is due. Love it. Uh, Denver, we have linebacker Von Miller. I do. I, I you know, I love the pick with Von, Von Miller. I do hate the, the injury bug that he does get from time to time for sure. So I have to disagree with this one. And I got to go with Jerry Judy here. We're halvesies. Um, I agreed. I feel as though this is a team that's kind of lacking star power, but Von Miller is one of them. But my alternative is, yeah, I'm expecting a good sophomore season from wide receiver Jerry Judy. Uh, Houston, to me, this is as sad as it gets. It was a very sad. <laughs> that Dan Hansis' MVP for Houston is running back David Johnson. I think people forget that he's still on the league, honestly. And listen, I'm I'm going to agree with it because we got to understand uh, Randall Cobb went to Green Bay today, so he's out of Houston. He wasn't even. He's not even anybody anymore. I don't it doesn't matter. Listen, Katie, no one in Houston is no somebody way. in Houston, so you got to think of that. So I'm going to agree with it, but I'm going to give the alternative to rookie Nico Collins. So I think he's going to he's going to shine there because Cobb just went off to Green Bay today, I so Houston has no one. I think I flaked out of I think I flaked out of answering this one because I disagreed and I was just like, maybe in a world where Deshaun Watson still plays, I'm putting Deshaun. Watson. Oh, Katie, you I flaked, are. I flaked out because I couldn't. There was nobody. No. Um, okay. Nico Collins is one of the top wide receivers in the draft. He wasn't taken until the sixth round. He's very talented. About him. Yeah. I don't know. So. About him. All right. Uh, Indy quarterback Carson Wentz. I'm disagreeing with this one because I don't like Carson Wentz, but I got to give it up. You know me. I love my lineman. Quentin Nelson. Let's go, baby. I went with Quentin Nelson. <laughs> I'm still a little salty at the job. I love, I love Saquon, obviously, but I love yeah. Quentin Nelson. <laughs> no, but like, honestly, this kind of like, I disagree with the Carson Wentz pick. And I feel as though if Carson Wentz is going to yeah. be successful, I think the biggest reason, the biggest factor is going to be Quentin Nelson's an absolute yeah. beast. And honestly, I'm not even putting Carson as number two. A close second for me is Darius Leonard. So, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Quentin Nelson, unbelievable player. All right, Jacksonville, quarterback Trevor Lawrence. So I'll agree with this one, but my alternative nobody, we spoke about it. on this roster. Well, no, we'll talk, we spoke about him earlier, Marvin Jones. We talk, spoke about it with Jeff earlier. I really liked him on Detroit last year. He was on my fantasy team. I did like everything. I do like him on this Jacksonville team. So he is my uh, my alternative. And then also, too, they did just pick up Shaquille uh, Griffin in the uh, recently, about a week or two ago. I love him, too. So he'll be my alternative alternative. He'll be my second alternative. I agree with Trevor Lawrence because I really don't like this roster top to bottom. Um I would have liked to go with James Robinson, the running back, like as my as my alternative. But then I remembered, like, oh wait, they drafted Travis Etienne, um, who's supposed to be like huge for them, even though James Robinson was killer last year. But so that kind of eliminated that. I, I went with wide receiver DJ Chark, and honestly, okay. that just shows that I feel like there really was nobody yeah. to get from. Um, Kansas City, this this one's a little bit easy, I think. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Agree. And then yeah. my alternative is Travis Kelsey. Uh, I said agree, and I said Tyreek Hill, parentheses, very close second, Travis Kelsey. <laughs> very close. Very close. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, we have a tight end, the only tight end on our list. We have Mr. Darren Waller. 
as much as I do like him, um, I actually did have him yeah. in fantasy last year. Um, but I'm going to disagree and go with Josh Jacobs. Yeah, agreed. Exactly. Disagree, Josh Jacobs. But, you know, we talked a lot about earlier uh, about fantasy football and tight ends and how there's not a lot of them. Darren Waller, get him. He, he is one of those top guys. Um, okay, the Los Angeles Chargers. We love this player. We always give him so much love. Uh, so I was excited that Dan Hans has picked him. But safety, Derwin James, obviously coming back from injury. I think it was the it was the injury thing that really, as much as we do love him, it just really did surprise me to see, do you really think he's going to be that much of a comeback player, especially with other guys on defense? You think of guys like Joey Bosa, things like that. I, it, it really does not take anything away, you know, from Derwin James. So I'm going to disagree with this one, and I'm going yeah. to go with Justin Herbert. I agree. Disagreed and went with Justin Herbert. I And I love what Jeff said at the beginning of the show, like, calling him possibly an MVP candidate. Uh, I could see that. We're expecting big things from the Chargers this year, yeah. and that's going to mainly stem from the play of Justin Herbert. Absolutely. Okay, Miami. We have a cornerback. This is the only cornerback on the list. Uh, Xavier Howard. I'm going to agree, but I also want to give it to their other cornerback, Byron Jones. So I want to give them a tie. So you have a left cornerback and a right cornerback. So I want to pop them both in there. So it's kind of a two-for-one special. This is another roster that I found was extremely lacking in talent. Um, but, yes, I am going to agree. Xavier Howard is the best player on that team. And my alternative is wide receiver Devontae Parker. Yep. Um, all right. This is this is a trend that's going to continue. Another roster, shockingly, that's just there's not a lot to choose from. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, the New England Patriots. We have a linebacker, Dante Ta uh, Dante Hightower. So I agree, but it's quarterback pending. Okay. I agree if it's Cam Newton. I disagree, and I will give it to Nelson Aguilar if it's Mac Jones. Aguilar is a target deep, and Mac Jones knows how to throw the ball deep and hit his targets. Aguilar is targeted time after time, and I think with this new well, – he's obviously new to the Patriots. I think they will – if Mac Jones is the quarterback, he can send it to him and he can give it to him time after time. So, again, it's quarterback pending. So I agreed with it. If it's Cam Newton, if it's Mac Jones, I disagree and give it to Nelson Aguilar. All right. Well, I'm agreeing with Hightower. My alternative is a newbie to also a newbie to the New England Patriots, who I think is going to be, you know, one of their bright spots. I went with tight end Hunter Henry. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I do like Hunter Henry. All right. Continuing our trend of talentless rosters, we have the New York <laughs> Jets. Um, we have a linebacker, the only linebacker on the list. We have linebacker CJ Mosley. I just took the easy right way out here. I agreed with it and threw in Zach Wilson to the mix. So whatever. So I'm not, I'm not I'm wasting my time. I agree with it, but I threw in a different rookie. And I threw in a lineman rookie. And I went with guard Elijah Veritas. Oh. I honestly really liked him in the draft. Yeah. And I thought he was a big name that when the Jets, I thought the Jets had a great draft. And when they landed him, I thought he was going to be really good. I, I don't know if you were expecting me to say running back Michael Carter. He's somebody else that I'm going to be looking yeah. at with the Jets this year. But I like Vera Tucker. I think he's All right. Good. 
All right, Pittsburgh. Uh, Dan Hansis is throwing a rookie into the mix here. He's going running back Najee Harris. Million one percent agreeing with this for sure. And my alternative, because it's the hot take of the summer and coming in, he's slimmer. He looks better. Big Ben. So I don't agree with it, but I think honestly, if the media is portraying it, they'll take Big Ben on this one. I'm kind of surprised. First off, I let I disagreed. I did not say Najee Harris, although I do think he's going to be. Yeah. huge for them. I really do. I'm surprised you didn't throw this name into the mix. I think he's going to be a top candidate for defensive player of the year. I'm going with linebacker TJ Watt. I think he, gets, wrong. he keeps getting snubbed for defensive player of the year. And this guy's going to be lit out of a can and pissed off about it. Yeah. All right. And finally, we've got a really talented, finally, we have a talented roster in the Tennessee Titans and they're going with Dan Hansis is going with newbie wide receiver Julio Jones. I cannot tell you how much I disagree with this pick. Okay. <laughs> and it pains me that he did pick Julio Jones because Derrick Henry is the Tennessee Titans MVP for the end of his time. For the foreseeable future. For the foreseeable future. So do not put this nonsense on my plate ever again. I do not want to see this. And it just really pisses me off. And they're both, listen, they're both Alabama boys. You can't even come me with come at me with the bias opinion. So yeah. See the door. Literally, I, I will disagree. be their MVP until the end of time. I disagree. You can even easily, easily make arguments that wide receiver AJ Brown is going to have better stats than Julio Jones. Uh, but I'm going to disagree. And of course, I'm agreeing with you in going with Derrick Henry. There's no other, no other answer. Make that decision. You can't. That just, I, I like worry for this, this guy's future. Like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? I worry yeah. for him. Like, are you okay? Like, do you sleep at night? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I just, I wonder. I wonder. I hear you. Well, fun game. I'm glad we we dove into the AFC side, but this game really opened my eyes. Yeah. To certain teams like, that like desperately roster. need help, yeah. like desperately. So. Well, this will actually trigger my get it off my chest going through non-talented rosters. But why don't you go ahead and get us started because we are at that time of the episode where we get it off our chest. Positive, negative, football, housewives, wine, life, anything you want to talk about. So why don't you go ahead and get us started? Sure. An ESPN article just recently came out and it was talking about um, the big, big mega blockbuster trade that happened in March of 2019 between the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. If you can't figure it out, you, sh you should already know what I'm talking about. But this is when the Browns sent a 2019 first round pick and a 2019 third round pick and safety drill preppers to the Giants for wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., now, with those picks that the Giants acquired, they ended up selecting defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence and uh, edge rusher O'Shane Zimenez uh, with the draft Looks pick that, they that trade. Okay, so you're getting X-Men, you're getting Dexter Dexy, Lawrence, Dexy. you're getting Jabril Peppers in exchange for Odell. That's how it shook out. Um, and so basically the article was, now that the dust, the dust has settled, and we have a little bit of time and we've, we've looked at it. Two seasons have gone by. Who is the winner of this trade? Obviously, people always give winner and losers like immediately. Right. But now that time has passed, how do we feel about it? Well, this article says this. While uh, but, 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 what happened, Beckham's first two years in Cleveland have been a major disappointment. 
An uneven first season under Freddie Kitchens saw him go from being the king of slants to producing the league's worst EPA on slant routes in 2019. Beckham was then off to a slow start in 2020 before tearing an ACL. Baker Mayfield's numbers were better across the board without OBJ in the lineup. And while correlation is not causation, the Browns simply didn't miss him during their run to the postseason. Now on the Giants' side, while the Giants haven't replaced Beckham in the lineup, they've gotten more out of the players on the other side of this trade. Peppers hasn't been the sort of game-disrupting safety scouts might have expected from his time at Michigan, and he doesn't play the more valuable free safety role, uh, role, but he's a solid, strong safety and a team leader. Lawrence has been the best player in this trade, living up to expectations as a stout run defender while adding four sacks last season. Peppers and Lawrence might have been replacements for departed veterans in Landon Collins and Damon Harrison, but they've held up their end of the bargain. Beckham hasn't in Cleveland, and four years removed from his last Pro Bowl appearance, it would be a surprise if he was still a number one wide receiver in 2021. This one has flipped all the way around for Gettleman and Big Blue. New York is the winner of this trade. I love it. So, and, and in the article, he does mention as well, like everybody thought Gettleman and the New York Giants were, were absolutely batshit crazy when they made this trade. And here we are. So I feel vindicated. And I wanted to share that on the show yeah. and forget it off my chest. Simply put, I think it the quote said it all. And, and I feel vindicated. I felt vindicated as well. Um, I think we've spoken about it. You know, we, I think one of the questions, it was like one of the things like where, where you've been during Giants history. And I think we did speak about, you know, the massive yeah. trades with Odell and Landon Collins, you know, where, where were we and more were you in the moment in time, you know, you know, I'll never forget the, those trades. And, you know, uh, we were at dinner, like family dinner <laughs> with Odell. I mean, it was just like, it was, we were at a restaurant too. And I think my brother said something and other people in the restaurant kind of stood up too. And they were like, wait, why? Like, we, we, yeah. <laughs> and then like Landon Collins came a little bit later and it was like kind of crazy. And to look back on it, like you look at a guy like Jerville Peppers, like he's now 21. Like I'm thinking about getting Landon Collins, like stripped off my Jersey and get peppers put on it. Like you need to look at it. And I think that the thing here is that we need to normalize analyzing uh, trades and things like this in a year or two. And I think there's so much pressure and in real time panic and like, things going on like oh my god no the worst decision ever i can't do that you but you have when the trade involves draft picks that are going to come in the future you have to wait like two years but people don't because they're crazy and i think as as fans maybe we're allowed to get a little panicky we were a little panicky with the draft this year with us going up to a certain pick and getting (laughs) freaking out a little bit but as analysts when you're doing this real time that's your job to fully understand like you should be waiting a couple of years. There yeah. were so many people that shit on Gettleman and the Giants when this happened. And, and look at this now. Look at us now. Right. 2019 yeah. to 21, 2021, especially with a year of 2020 of COVID, that's not, I would say that's just a year. That's not two years. That's technically a year with everything that's been going on. You ever go online and, and football fans and, and you read those articles, those headlines that say make it or break it year for these players, these teams, these coaches, et cetera. And of course, we always see Daniel Jones on that list. But another huge name on every single one of those lists 
is wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. And this no is one a ever, year for him. It's been a make or break year for him for the past two seasons. And I think this is a good segue. Well, this is a big one. This is a big one. Well, it is for sure. But I think this is a good, you know, segue into my get it off my chest because, you know, this I watch Get Up on ESPN every single morning. And I, we were actually watching it this morning. And I guess I had turned it off prior to this segment, which good things. It would have pissed me off for the entire day. And I probably would have gotten in trouble on Twitter for going off on a tangent. But I had seen a clip right before the show. So, you know, Dave Greeny, the guy that, you know, hosts the show, made a comment and they do like hot takes all the time. And his take was that, you know, look out for the New York giants this year. They made tremendous moves in the off season, both with free agency. Obviously we got Kenny Holiday, you know, other people, you know, with the draft, with Darius Tony and everything like that. We really built up on our roster, but not just even in the off season last year, proven in front of everyone's faces in prime time against teams like the Seattle Seahawks, our defense just grew week after week, you know, really just showcasing what the New York Giants have been able to do in a very, like not in a long time have we been able to showcase, you know, progress and everything like that. So just saying, watch out for this team. Everyone else on the show, the eye rolls, the mockery, the, yeah, watch out for this team. You'll just be watching them on your TV set every week. That's what you have to watch out for. I think, you know, it just, at this point, I understand the Giants have been bad and it's not been good and it's been really frustrating. But at this point, watching where we, what we've done over the past season or two and what we've been able to do in the off season, what management has been able to do and everything like that. I'm just sick of the slander and it's really pissing me off at this point because we just read you a list of AFC teams and we wanted to give you MVP potential players. And for certain teams, we couldn't even give you, we couldn't even agree with you on one and maybe couldn't give you two players. We could not. So like back off because like the New York Giants are not teams like that. We've actually worked really hard to build around certain things like that. We're not denying that Daniel Jones has a really important season this year. He does, absolutely. But guess what? If he fails, and I do not want him to, I really want him to be our franchise quarterback. If we have to replace him, guess what? Everyone around him is still really fucking good. So I'm just really tired of the slander at this point. And I think the Giants have been laughed at and mocked at for way too long. For to have an ESPN show, have analysts roll their eyes at the New York Giants. No, 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 no. It's not at that point. If you're going to roll your eyes, I want to hear an argument. I want to sit down with you. I want to hear what you have to say. Making fun of someone, making fun of a team, or just rolling your eyes and being like, ha, they suck, is no longer going to make it for the Giants. You actually have to sit down with me, you have to sit down with us and explain what your reasoning is, why they will not be successful this year, why they will be not successful in the next five years. So that's my get it off my chest. And if you guys haven't seen it, go to at get up on Twitter and you can see this the segment. And it's really embarrassing. And it's really for, I think, that entire crew, that entire morning crew that does get up, you should probably be truly embarrassed for what you spoke about this morning because you want to be football analyst. It really didn't show. It really did not show this morning. So except for, I mean, I agree. Like everybody has the right to be as honest and, and blunt. And, and honestly, everybody has the right to bash whatever team they, they think is not going right. to be successful. But I agree with you. I think state your case, say why, say like 
what's what's the deal? Because I think you're right. I think there are a lot of rosters across this this league that are far worse than the New York Giants. Right. Um, so I, I completely hear your frustration and and understand. And this is gonna be an interesting year. That's all I can say about the New York Giants. I think it's gonna be an interesting year. I don't know where we're going to go, but we're going to go somewhere and it's going to be interesting. So, all right. Well, honestly, that was a phenomenal show. And just as we inch closer to the season, we are going to continue to give you fantasy football, uh, you know, talk. It was so amazing having Jeff Pratt on the show tonight. He gave us really great tips and really good insight. Um, and then as far as things that you don't want to miss this week, we have the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That was on tonight at eight. You can catch it on demand. Um, Real Housewives of Potomac is on Sunday at 8 p.m. Roni is on Tuesday at nine. We talked about this last week because we were wondering when it was going to come and we have a premiere date for you. Uh, NFL Network's top 100 players, uh, will premiere on August 15th. So that's right around the corner. Um, and then the NFL season opener, 44 days away. So, oh, so we're getting there, people. We're churning away. We're churning away. Getting there. But, yeah, thank you guys for an awesome show. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening to us. And we're going to catch you next week. Have a good rest of your week. Absolutely. Bye. Goodbye.